We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope capital campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good morning, everybody. I can't believe how many people there are today. Something must be happening. We actually, we had our, <clears throat> our report for the different churches uh, that we submit to the diocese every year, and we report on things like sacraments and attendance and all kinds of things. And <clears throat> Lords, I think we grew this year something like 5 or 6%. And one of the retired priests at our meeting, his jaw just dropped. He said, aren't you in a gym? I was like, people love gyms. They love, they love it, you know. Uh, tomorrow, just one, one quick note. Tomorrow is the Feast of Our Lady of Lords. Uh, we have uh, some beautiful flowers up here today. When Mary appeared uh, to Bernadette at Lords, she had a pale yellow rose on her feet. And so we have yellow roses up here, really beautiful. But uh, there's a relic of St. Bernadette. Uh, right here in front of the statue of Our Lady. And so that's a great thing to venerate, right? Uh, the saints are not just historical figures. They're our family. Um, so that's there after Mass if you want to venerate that. Uh, but say a prayer for our parish tomorrow. If you don't know G.K. Chesterton, you need to. I haven't talked about him in a while. Uh, Chesterton is one of those authors that you know it's a good book when you're laughing at a book. And Chesterton is one of the best Catholic authors in history. He is known for his wit and wisdom uh, and just a phenomenal writer. He is a little bit of an acquired taste. But arguably his best book is a book called Orthodoxy. And in the second chapter of that book, he tells a great story I want to use today. He says he was walking one day in London and he was walking with a publisher. And they're walking and they're talking, and the publisher says to Chesterton, he said, they, they notice someone, he says, look at that guy. He has confidence. He believes in himself. That guy's going to go places. And Chesterton was really struck by that. And for some reason, it really bothered him. So the guy got on this bus, and they, start, they kept talking, and Chesterton noticed that on the bus, where it talked about where the bus was going, the signs showed where it was going, that the bus was going to a, a mental institution. And Chesterton then said to this guy, to this publisher, he said, I'll tell you who the people who really believe in themselves are. Right? They're all the people in mental institutions. Now, what does that have to do with today? When I look at life, right, and what the, that publisher was getting at is that when people have confidence, it does help them to go far in life, right? If you're confident in yourself, I've told people this in interviews. They'll have interviews and I'll say, don't be so nervous, be confident in yourself. And Chesterton says that when he spoke to this guy and they kept walking and talking, and he said, you know, all the, we shouldn't believe so much in ourselves. The people who believe in themselves end up going crazy. And the publisher said to him, well, if we can't believe in ourselves, then what are we supposed to believe in? And Chesterton says that's why he wrote this book. 
He wrote orthodoxy after that to say, this is what we should believe in. Here's my message to you today, brothers and sisters, and here's our readings today are all about callings. They're all about callings. Later on in this book, Chesterton has one of my favorite lines. He says, medieval man was confident in the truth, but he was unsure about himself. Modern men and women are unsure about the truth, but they're certain about themselves. Hear that again, and this is not verbatim, but medieval man was uncertain about himself, but he was certain about the truth. Modern men and women are uncertain about the truth, but they are certain about themselves. Today, what the readings and what the church is saying to us, what God is saying to us, is that we have to be certain about the truth. We have to be in love with it. All of our readings today are about callings from God. And all of the readings, all three of our major readings today, the person who's called says, you can't mean me. There's got to be somebody better. So in Isaiah chapter 6, we have the call of Isaiah today. And when Isaiah is called, he says, I am a man of unclean lips. It can't be me, Lord. And God's going to purify his lips, and then he's going to send him. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15 today, our second reading, St. Paul says he's unfit. And we're going to come back to that. He says, I'm unfit to be an apostle. And then in our gospel today, St. Peter, Jesus gets in his boat, and after that great catch of fish, Peter falls on his knees, and he says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. All three of those figures, right, they don't feel up to the call. If you're going to be a Christian, one of the things you've got to know, God's going to call you to things you're not going to be ready for. Right? When, I, when, I, when he called me to be a priest, I thought he was crazy. Right? Some of you still think that. <laughs> but everyone feels that way. I've never once met someone who says, you know what, Father Brian, I've got my act together. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm the one who's going to be sent out. Someone who speaks like that is the last person that should go. Right? God always calls us to things, brothers and sisters, that are bigger than ourselves. They're bigger than ourselves. And our culture right now, God's going to call you, right? He needs all of us as Catholics. You are called to be light of the world and the salt of the earth. And that's a big deal. And most of the time you're going to say, you know, Lord, I don't feel sufficient. I'm not up to this. I don't have the gifts. Send someone else, someone more eloquent, someone more knowledgeable. When I used to lead Bible studies, I still do, but with college kids, I remember I took one of my college students, he was ready to lead Bible studies. I knew he was, but he didn't think he was. And so I went door by door with him in this college dormitory. Talk about nerve-wracking. When you go and like knock on doors in dorms, and college kids open the door and they say, yeah. And you're like, hey, uh, want to join a Bible study? <laughs> right? Really high success rate. 
like 80% are like, what time is that Bible study at? No, you feel totally insufficient. Right? You're going to feel that all the time. St. Paul, I want to go back to him. St. Paul in his lifetime, brothers and sisters, great men and women in Christianity, here's what they have in common. It's not that they were talented. It's not that they were all intelligent. It's that they were in love with something bigger than themselves. Right? They were in love with something bigger than themselves. The world tells us, spend your life building yourself up. But truly great men and women, what happens is they lose their lives because they see something so beautiful, so true, so good, they'll lose themselves for it. So in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians is one of my favorite books of the Bible, as is every other one. Um, but what's happening in 2 Corinthians is the people of Corinth, the Christians in Corinth, have decided that St. Paul isn't very impressive. And they, they want somebody who's a little bit more impressive in person. And so they say when Paul writes his letters, he's a great writer. But they say when he's in person, we don't find him very impressive. And what they say to him is they say, you are not sufficient. Some priests will joke about this. I was talking to a priest a couple years ago. And he was like, man, the people in my parish are so gifted. You should have seen the campaign they organized to have me removed as pastor. It was amazing, <laughs> right? St. Paul had that. That's essentially what's going on here is they're trying to get him removed. So St. Paul says that we are the fragrance, the aroma of Christ. What does that mean? It means that when Paul's calling in his life is that where he goes... Right? Have you ever smelled sweet incense or something? And it just kind of, it's just something beautiful that makes you stop. Paul is talking about how he and the other apostles are meant to be the fragrance of Christ. We are the aroma of, of Christ. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. And I love this line. He says, who is sufficient for these things. Right? When people attack you, the normal thing you do, the normal thing I do is I get defensive. And so the Corinthians come after Paul and they say, you're not, you're not sufficient. You are not up to the task. Right? If someone does that to me, I'm like, well, who are you? Right? Do you read Greek? Are you, are you smarter than Father Mike? But St. Paul says, when they say, you're not sufficient, St. Paul's response is, amen. No, I'm not. No, I am not sufficient. Brothers and sisters, God's calling you. You have to be a witness to the gospel. And my guess is that most of you feel that you're not up to the task. You're not sufficient you don't have the knowledge, or maybe you don't feel you're as holy as you should be. Thank God. That's the attitude we should all have. There's a, a phrase 
that a lot of Christians use where they say, God doesn't call those who are equipped. He equips those whom he calls. He equips those whom he calls. Later on, St. Paul, in that same letter in chapter 3, he says, we have this treasure. What treasure? The gospel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? That the outside, that, that we ourselves, we're not what's important. What matters is the good news of the gospel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the transcendent power belongs to God and not to us. I became a priest, I know that there's, there's different reasons I did, but brothers and sisters, one of the reasons, one of the, the central reasons I became a priest was because when I looked out at the world, I saw the need people had to know the gospel. And I knew somebody had to do it. And it wasn't because I looked at myself, I didn't look interiorly and say, you know what, I think, I think I could really be good at this priest thing. You know, like my chalice skills, they're up there. You know, I, I've got to, I can kneel for a long time, man. I didn't do that. Right, and, and priests when they're called, and women when they're called to consecrated life, maybe when you're called to be a better parent or a spouse, maybe when you just feel that calling to be a witness in the world. We don't look at our own selves, we don't navel gaze. We see that there's something amazing that God is doing, and we say, Lord, I'll do it. I don't have much. I don't have all the skills I should have. I don't know everything, but I'm in. And if you need another set of hands, Jesus, Lord, you can have mine. We desperately need that. We desperately need that. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to be someone in life who fulfills the mission God has given you, you have to be unsure of yourself, but you've got to be sure about the gospel. You have to be someone who loves the truth, who sees in Jesus the answer to the question that is every human life. We need that so bad right now. I want to make one plug today. All of our readings, as I said, are about callings. I want to make a plug. If you are not in your state of, a permanent state of life yet, right? If you're someone who has not ever thought about priesthood or consecrated life, I want to challenge you to think about that. Right? And the way you think about it is not, people ask me all the time, say, Father Brian, I feel like God might be calling me to the, to the, religious life. How do I discern that? And I say, when you make a list of pros and cons, right? Pro, job security. <laughs> Con, right? I don't know. You might be removed as pastor by a letter campaign. I actually did that one time when I was like thinking about priesthood. I think every guy who thinks about it does. I kind of like made this list of like, well, what are the pros? Like job security. Con. Don't make any money ever. Okay, pro, you know, you go back and forth. That's not how you do it. Right? The reason men and women enter these states of life 
is by seeing the greatness and the need for the mission. If you're single, I encourage you to think about that. We desperately need priests, and not just any priests, we need amazing priests. We desperately need consecrated men and women who will pray for the conversion of the world. We need these things. If you're married, if you're not considering consecrated life, we need Christian witnesses. You may not have that much. You might not have every tool in your tool bag. I, still, I do not have all the tools. Still don't have them. But you can say like Isaiah did today. You can look at God and you can say, Lord, I am a man of unclean lips. Jesus, I've got sins. I've got sins I struggle with still. Ones I've been fighting. Lord, I've got bad habits. Lord, I, I don't have all the, the knowledge or the wisdom or the courage that I should have. But Jesus, here am I. Send me.